Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Look, it's not your team. It's you. Welcome in everybody to another episode of It's Not Your Team. It's you here on the Believe Podcast Network, the network of chaos. That's right. Every single one of you is welcome aboard the crazy train that is college football. I am your host, Tyler Coe. And I'm your host, Haley Graves. And uh, guys, uh, you can find the show uh, pretty much anywhere, available on all your favorite platforms. Uh, go to Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. Uh, or go to our show page at Believe Podcast on Instagram or on our own personal YouTube. Hopefully you're watching us there. If you're not, go to the channel, the name of the show. It's the same. And uh, it's a show of the people. So send us your emails, questions to nytpod at gmail.com and hit us up with those voicemails and texts at 404-919-2137. Like our good friend, Miss Haley, uh, from Dirty Halsey, who I think Halsey, the singer, actually has a birthday today. But Dirty Halsey She said, does. And a um, great hit out with Machine Gun Kelly. There you go. Um, uh, our, our Dirty Halsey um, said, currently sitting in bed chugging Pedialyte for survival and thinking about how Kellen Mond couldn't stop dropping the beans. But hey, we're 1-0. Uh, yeah, a rough 1-0 a rough by them Aggies. Very, very rough. Uh, but some folks in the SEC West had fun, like Beth B., who said, as a lifelong Mississippi State fan, watching Mike Leach and the dogs take down the Tigers is the first real thing we've gotten excited about in 10 years. Couldn't agree more, Beth. I don't know if it's been 10 years for me, but it's honestly the first thing I've gotten really excited about in 2020. So I agree with you there, Beth. Agree with you there. And uh, somebody who's not excited, Sooner Nation. Uh, we got Chance from Houston um, who said, OUK State second half might, been a, uh, might have been the worst half of football I've ever seen in my entire life. And then Tyler from Topeka had some nice things to say about the show. Haley said, first, thank you guys for the entertaining podcast. It's very nice of you to say. Hey, we are entertaining. Uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, it says, uh, I hope you guys give praise and more attention to K-State, especially after beating OU. I know fans from two overrated programs like Texas and Texas A&M have a hard time doing that for programs that aren't considered good. I don't know how well, I feel how about that now, give, Tyler. How can you give a backhanded compliment? You literally great. like You literally smiled at our faces, then turned around and smacked us in the head as you walked off. That was... Well, you know, I mean, it's okay. I get it, K-State. You're the one program that will always be irrelevant in everyone's minds. And most people even wonder if you have a football team. So It's very true. Um, But we're going to get into all of that. All those guys who texted in uh, to the show, you hit it right on the head. Because, (laughs) Haley, this was probably the most exciting weekend thus far in college football. This weekend was so good. You know, when it's it's got that smell in the air. Like, uh, I don't know what the weather's like right now in L.A., but here in Texas, it's crisp. It's that fall weather now. I can see it, it smells like football. And it finally paid off this weekend. We got fireworks. I, first of all, I miss that. That was, that's the greatest feeling in the world is when fall is approaching. And it's that perfect 65 degrees, sunny football weather. I do miss it because in LA, we still have fires and it's very, very hot outside every day here still. So oh, man. that's, that's what I've got going for me. <laughs> Um, so there's a lot of teams this weekend that have a lot going for them. Uh, there are some teams that have a lot of work to do, and we're going to get into all of that. Uh, and if you want to, you, you probably have a better picture after this weekend on who to put money on. If uh, you're looking at the Florida Gators to win the SEC East, that's probably a good bet. 
Mississippi State might cause some trouble in that SEC West. Uh, and I don't know about the Texas Longhorns. I just know they're going to score a lot of points. But if you want to bet on any of those guys, head on over to betonline.ag because the wait is finally over. Football is back. Uh, from game spreads totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And remember, guys, go to the online casino. It's open 24-7. A uh, ton of stuff to bet on apart from college football, NBA Finals, uh, Major League Baseball playoffs are, are starting up. Haley, I know you're in L.A. Do you even care? Because I, yeah. I, I didn't even remember who was in the postseason. Yeah, I, I pay attention to the Dodgers-ish. Okay. I mean, I feel like that's such an L.A. homer thing to do. Never even been to a game. I've lived out here for four years. But, you know, <laughs> go Dodgers. I think I got you. When I was living in L.A., I, I lived in Silver Lake. Like, I could, like, I was, like, 10 minutes away from the stadium. You could, like, you could hear what was happening. Oh, yeah. I never went to a game. Like, I got invited all the time. Big regret. I, I don't know. But I'm going, actually it's, going for the Padres. I'm going for Tatis Jr. Okay. I can, I can, I can, I can ride that wave, too. I'm seeing good things about the Padres, so. I'm, 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 all, I'm all on board for them. Uh, but Go um, Southern California. <laughs> go Southern California. That's the whole point of that. But if you want to play some bet, go there. Uh, so make sure, guys, that you go to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. All right, so on today's show program, um, Pac-12 is back, folks. Everybody's back. Basically, everybody in college football is going to play. Uh, we just did a big old circle for I don't know why. Haley and I are going to discuss uh, how that affects the playoff picture. Uh, and we have a very special guest on the show today, courtesy of Miss Graves. Thank you very much yeah. for that. Uh, he, is a, he is a certified Kingslayer. He has actually defeated Nick Saban, and he's going to appear on this program. Very excited about that. Um, one of the few. One of the, one few. Of the few. That is very true. Uh, we got to get his thoughts on a certain SEC West matchup. And uh, we have awards to hand out again this week. But first, we start off, Haley, with the two biggest stories from this past weekend. One is of heartbreak. The other of triumph. Oklahoma falls to Kansas State for the second year in a row. And Mike Leach and K.J. Costello took it to the national champs and knocked them out in round number one. Could not believe it. It was, this weekend was a weekend of survival of the fittest and who wanted it more. I don't necessarily know in the case of LSU saying that they didn't really want it more or less, but they just didn't have it. They didn't. And that's what I liked so much about this Mississippi State matchup. But oh, you, man, they just deflated. It was, it was I we, bad. we saw an exposed OU team. And this was something that we knew could happen. We know that there is a lot of talent on the OU roster. We're not knocking them for that. But where we said that OU would get tripped up is the inexperience that their team has. Being as young of a team as they are, they just don't have that veteran leadership. They don't have that guy that the team is going to look up to in the late in the third quarter, early in the fourth, when they need to rally behind someone. They don't have that guy that the players are just going to go to fight for and go to battle with. That's what they were lacking. And that's what I saw missing from OU on Saturday to get it done against K-State. I mean, you're right, Haley. We did talk about this episode one of that. It wasn't going to be an issue with Spencer Rattler and his talent, which is undeniable. It was more about what happens when you ask that kid to bail out the entire team. And Haley, you talk about players not being there to help them out offensively. It was the same on the defensive side of the ball is who is going to make that stop, who is going to make that play. And you saw an OU team go up 35 to 14 with two minutes and 45 seconds left in the third quarter and give up 27 unanswered points. I don't think I've seen that from an OU program in 20 years. 
Um, right. I think there's, there's massive red flags around this team. We talked about the talent, and you're right. They're very young, and you can see it there. But we also mentioned suspensions, key players opting yeah. out. Those people that you rely on, the Kennedy Brooks, the Trey Sermons, are gone. Yeah. And what was going to happen with a very inexperienced yet talented young quarterback – Spencer Rattler just completely fell apart in the in the second half of that game. He growing four, pains. Growing pains, for sure. He was 4 yep. of 12 in the fourth quarter with an INT. And that's just yep. something we're not used to seeing out of an OU quarterback. But, Haley, right. I talked to you over the weekend, and my biggest beef uh, with Oklahoma, and if, I, and if I'm a Sooner fan, I, I'm pretty furious at Alex Grinch. This is a guy who's come in for a beleaguered, uh, beleaguered uh, defensive unit and has been for a better part of a decade saying, I'm going to come in and we're going to play an aggressive style of ball. And the number one thing is get the ball back to the offense. He preaches takeaways. This team has failed at that. Last year, only 11 takeaways, Haley. This year, zero. And you saw in that second half, you cannot let Skylar Thompson, with all due respect to him, he's not a world beater. You let that guy run all over you with on one leg, no less, Miss Graves. Right. Right. And and I think – I think speaking of that is also what was lacked from this Oklahoma team. Going back to even Baker Mayfield in the previous three quarterbacks Oklahoma has had, their QBs have been able to bail them out of situations with their legs. And being very dynamic players in the pocket, and that is something that Spencer Rattler has not shown. And I don't know if that's necessarily just not where he's comfortable, whether he's more of just 100% a pocket presence, and that's fine. But that's what this OU offense really missed was that lack of extendability on plays and being able to do more with your legs from the quarterback position. Absolutely. And you saw it. You saw him get skittish right there at the end of the game, Haley. Like the pocket would be okay. And that's another unit to call out. You know, Creed Humphrey was a little banged up during this game. They didn't play stellar, but he would just, he got scared. He'd leave the pocket immediately. Right. Uh, Wasn't, you could tell that it just wasn't there. You can see the talent with that kid that he's going to be a superstar, but it's not there yet. So if I, if I'm OU, I'm not necessarily worried about that offense, Haley. And I think they're going to get better, obviously, with that young talent, and they're going to continue to rise. But that defense, guys, uh, Kansas State is at the bottom of the Big 12, if not dead last, for a team that you fear offensively. You got to play right. Tech. You got to play Oklahoma State. You got to play West Virginia. You got to play Texas. Like, right. what do you expect out of that unit? I'd be very worried if I was a Sooner fan. I would be worried. I would also be very disappointed because OU fans, I'm calling it like I see it. Your playoff hopes are done. um, The rest of this season needs to be dedicated to being focused on a knocking out everyone else in your conference, (laughs) uh, (laughs) like, like Texas in a couple weeks or, and B taking this season as a growing season, making the best that you can out of it, not dropping another game because of that very strange unlikelihood that is 2020 that you could in a hail Mary situation, make the college football playoff if you don't drop another one. But again, take your losses and learn from this and come back and be the dominant force that you've been in the past couple seasons next year. Completely agree. Yeah, and, I, and I'm with you that they, their, their chances are very, very slim. Their chances right. were about as slim as Texas beating Texas Tech this weekend. It was done. <laughs> uh, so there is an opportunity for Oklahoma to maybe get there. Yeah. But uh, for folks saying, and, and if you are a Sooner fan, it's like, well, we lost to K-State last year. Well, that Kansas State team did not lose to Arkansas State week one. People don't right. forget it's and like again, being this your season pants. Is We're always going to remember. This season is very different. The optics are yeah. completely different. Um, right. 
and, and speaking of completely different, I know that you are just over the moon excited to talk about this, and so am I, because uh, we kind of teased this on Saturday morning when we saw yep. that Derek Stanley Jr. was out. Uh, but the SEC was talking maybe that Mike Leach wasn't going to bring that stuff here. That noise, forget about it. Ain't going to happen here. And then what did the Pirate do this weekend? <laughs> he brought that air raid ship straight to the shores of the SEC in Starkville. Man, that game was so much fun. I was one of the people most excited about Mike Leach coming to the SEC. It really does feel like a match made in heaven, just his presence, having him here. Um, and with that being said, I've given Mississippi State actually my Remember the Titans award this week because I know we can talk all day long about putting up 600 yards of offense, 60 pass attempts. Like we know what their offense did and how they just picked apart this LSU defense. But what's also worth noting, and again, my Remember the Titans award goes to the team that was successful in all three phases of the game on Saturday, and Mississippi State, where I really started to turn my head, was their defense was equally impressive. They held LSU to 80 yards rushing. Let's think about the prestige that LSU is when it comes to their rushing attack, and Mississippi State put a halt to it. They forced two interceptions. They held LSU to five of 17 on third down conversions. That's absurd thinking about what this LSU offense was. And yeah, you can say, well, LSU lost all these pieces. We know that. But LSU also showed that they still have talent on that side of the ball. And Mississippi State just stepped the hell up and really took it to the Tigers. Absolutely. Uh, you know, Haley, I think if you play this game four or five weeks down the road, it's not the same result. But that week one, not really understanding what Leach right. can bring to the table and people poo-pooing the air raid coming to the SEC, he, he can knock you out. And this is what we talked about that yeah. Leach was going to be able to do this year. Now, I don't know if Mississippi State is going to like run the table or anything, but we <laughs> talked about them tripping up good football teams that right. weren't ready for it. And they did it week one. Uh, Leach was gold again after the yeah. game saying the reason we played LSU what did he say uh, you know New England the Chiefs and the Ravens were, were, <laughs> we're, were all busy they're all busy so I guess we had to play LSU um, <laughs> he's going to be the most loved and hated thing in the SEC this year yeah uh, it's fantastic um, it, it reminds me a lot of when even going back you know to 2012 when A&M came into the SEC and they just had a you know, they just spread the ball around. They had more yeah. of a spread style offense rather than that ground and pound that the SEC was used to. And A&M was able to capitalize on that season because they brought something different that the rest of the SEC wasn't used to. And I think that's what we're going to see with this season. As you've mentioned, Mississippi State is going to trip up a lot of teams, especially teams that are hurting in the defensive backfield. Like, yep. I mean, especially in that area, I mean, um, yeah. they're going to torch them. And that's what I think is exciting about this is it's going to be something different. It's going to be a new flavor brought to the SEC. And like everything else, you know, offenses will learn from this. Defenses will learn from this. Will this be as big of a deal next season? Likely not. But for this season, it's a hell of a fun thing to watch in the SEC. Yes, it is. Uh, Mississippi State even put out a fun promotional video on their Twitter <laughs> with Leach. Did you see that? He's like, hey, yes. if you need to hop on board, you want a bandwagon to hop on, we got plenty of room. Um, and it is one of those things, like you said, some players uh, depleted in the backfield. And I think it is worth yeah. mentioning. I still – I don't want to just say I'll write that Mississippi State still wins because I think Derek Stinley Jr. is that good of a player. But the fact right. that he was hospitalized, I, I think he's okay. Before, or yeah. We hope he is. Yes, yeah. He was discharged from the hospital the yeah. next morning. But that was – a that, you know, 
not having that guy, stuff like that can happen. That's what Leach can do. He will take advantage of you. Uh, ha- right. missing Stone but still, like Jacoby, Jacoby Stevens played a great game. I thought it was really interesting how many times you saw the safety come down and blitz under Bo Pelini's um, defense. There was a lot of new things about the LSU defense. Also got to tip our hats to them because they did force turnovers themselves with Mississippi State. So by no means was Mississippi State flawless. They right. just looked like the most complete game, complete team this weekend. And I was, man, I was hella impressed with them. They were unbelievable. Uh, there was a uh, another team on the other side of the country out west uh, that they definitely have one guy on their team that if they don't have him play every Saturday, they have no no shot. And that is the Texas Longhorns and Sam Ellinger was probably the wildest game outside of Mississippi State. Uh, Tech had Texas dead to rights. They had a 99.8 win probability with three minutes left in the game. They're up by 15 points. Oh, um, and I have Texas an award. Texas Tech going to Texas Tech, y'all. Ooh, man, I feel bad. Uh, uh, quarterback Bowman, who had a great game in his own right, right. did downhorns. Uh, I, I don't know if Sam saw that and that he, he did like the Michael <laughs> Jordan in the last dance. He's like, it became right. personal to me. Um, but I'm giving my ice in the veins award to Sam Ellinger, who uh, – who didn't even have that great of a game, but still put up six touchdowns. But right. the reason I'm giving it to him is because he did something that is, you know, it's just kind of the stuff of legend. You get excited about it if you're a Longhorn fan. Uh, yeah. Went down 15 uh, to Tech, and the game's essentially over. Went up to Herman and said, they left too much time on the clock. We're going to get the ball back, tie it up, and go to OT. Now, that's one thing to say it. It's another to do it. Went eight for yep. nine for 106 yards and three touchdowns in three minutes to lead Texas back to just a ridiculous comeback. Um, and I think for Texas this year, you've almost seen a role reversal. I think Texas is the new OU, if you will, Haley. That this is a team okay. that their offense um, looks to be quite unstoppable as long as Sam yeah. Ellinger is, is, is leading that unit. Yeah. Uh, they're the number one scoring offense in the country through two games, and it doesn't look like there's a team. I, I say there's not a team in the Big 12 that can stop him. However, that defense, my God. That was one of the worst <laughs> defensive performances, not just in my opinion, but in the history of Texas football. Um, oh, a lot wow. Of it, I think OU and Texas were probably having the same tackling drills over the weekend because it was just non-existent. Um, I think Texas, and you mentioned it, Haley, with Oklahoma, uh, their, their path pretty much being done in the Big 12. I think right. for Texas, it's like you cannot make a misstep. You either win out yep. and go, or nobody goes in the Big 12. The margin right. for error is so small now. Right. I completely, completely agree. I mean, I don't know what I don't know what Bowman was thinking. You just don't wait to do horns down until the end of the game, man. It's, it's, it, Rookie <laughs> mistake. Rookie mistake. You don't do it in the middle of the game, bruh. Everybody knows that. Everybody what knows is rule that. number one? You do horns down at the end. At the end, yes. I, I appreciate it at the end because that, that's great. You, you beat us, that wonderful. But yeah, during right. the game, Sam must have been watching. That's the only thing I can mention. I, I, sure. thought, I thought of giving this to Skylar Thompson for the Ice in the Veins Award because he did play unbelievable against OU, career highs in passing. He played on one leg. But I will say, Haley, there's a massive difference in playing for nothing or playing with nothing to lose and right. playing for everything to lose. So that's why right. Sammy got it. It's fair. It's very, very fair. And moving on to another guy that maybe didn't have ice in his veins, but he has ice in his legs. My Mr. Unlimited <laughs> award. Speaking of Mr. Unlimited, the OG Mr. Unlimited, Russell Wilson, absolutely went he, off in the game this weekend. So is he winning the MVP, to, Haley? Just real quick. He's is definitely, he, is, he's for sure 
in like he's the front runner absolutely right now he is oh my god it's unbelievable yeah he is playing lights out which again why this is my mr unlimited award i gotta do like that every time i'm never not going to is going to tristan ebner from baylor i don't know how many of you stayed up to catch that baylor game but Baylor, first time we got to watch them play. It was very exciting. Um, This cat had a rushing, receiving, and two kickoff return for a touchdown, one of those being 100 yards to the house. He actually averaged 91 yards per return, which is absurd. Um, So, yeah, hats off to you. Got to show my Baylor Bears some love. I'm really standing them, at least for right now. They had a good game on Saturday against Kansas. They won. And Tristan Ebner, you are my Mr. Unlimited. I love that. I, and you got to stand those Bears because as of right now, there are only three teams left in the Big 12 that are undefeated. <laughs> they ain't going to last long. Facts. Um, they, they played great, though. Um, I got to tell you who really played great, though. Uh, and, and probably the only team that I'm fully 100% committed on and feel good about picking to go to the playoffs, and that is Florida. Kyle Trask and Kyle yeah. Pitts win my dynamic duo award of the week. They absolutely balled out, Haley. They were right. unbelievable. They hooked up for, uh, let me see here, get these stats right. They hooked up for four touchdowns, him and Kyle Pitts. Kyle had 170 yards through the air. Trask, 416 through the air. That offense right. put up the most yards they put up almost in a decade. Um, that's what Florida fans, that's what you wanted to see is that you've, you've had the defense there. You've had unbelievable talent. It's about having a quarterback give you that next level chance to win the whole thing like a Tebow. And yeah, it looks like they finally have them. Right. Kyle Trask undoubtedly played the best game that we've seen him play, which is hard to say because he played so well last season to see him take it to another level in game one where game one as we've seen so far has been a little rocky for a lot of teams not for this Florida team and I think they have a true gem in their tight end and Kyle Pitts he undoubtedly I think in that one game solidified that he is the best tight end in the country because of the way he moves on the field as a wide receiver which in the NFL you're seeing a lot more tight ends play that wide receiver um you know, wide receiver tight end type role. And so I think this is going to do great for his career, but also just the things that he's going to be able to do in that Florida offense. It's scary. The two of them, dynamic duo for sure. Unbelievable. Uh, I know some other duos out there play pretty well. A pair of running backs from SMU, Haley, I think. Yep. I think you told me what, they had both over 100 yards? Yep. Pair they, actually, to, actually, to the T, they had 104 yards, both of them. Exactly 104 yards. That's a balance offense right there. I like that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> SMU and that the offense. The definition of balance, <laughs> to be exact. Uh, SMU and that offense. I mean, they're, they're going to be rolling this year. Uh, but yep. yeah, when you look at Florida and what they did week one compared to Georgia, Georgia still trying to figure out what the heck they're going to do from an offensive standpoint. You feel more comfortable as a Gator fan that the SEC East is yours to lose. Facts. 100%. You got any more awards? I don't. Let's talk about your your new one here. People. I got. Well, I mean, it's it's been good. I mean, the turnover celebrations have been pretty uh, funny for the last couple of years. I, I like that. That's a new thing in college football, and you know, Miami has their chain. Uh, their chain this year is pretty cool. But I, yep. I really like uh, a, a few of them that I saw this weekend. Pitt, which congratulations, your win over Louisville. You're still relevant in the ACC, which, by the way, we got to get into the, uh, the depth of that conference because I think they actually right. might be better than the SEC this year. But that, we won't talk about that yet. I'm going to get my ward out. Um, Pitt has a mini basketball goal that they dunk on when they get one. Uh, but the best one I saw was Old Miss, Old Lane Train, <laughs> securing the money bag. 
securing the bag, big old dollar sign on it. That is their new turnover celebration. I thought that was awesome. Uh, they look so good. Secure the bag. Secure the bag, bag baby. Secured. Loved it. And, you know, to give Lane credit, they, they, they did take it to Florida a little bit. I mean, they put up their own offensive performance. Uh, not nearly as good, obviously, but uh, I'd be excited if I'm an Ole Miss fan that Lane might trip up a few people like his counterpart, okay. Mike Leach, this year. Right. Yeah. I mean, Lane Kiffin, that's not going to be the last we see of him, and that's not going to be the last time we see this Ole Miss team do some exciting things, which is why I strongly disagree with you about the ACC being the toughest conference in college football this year because we haven't even scratched the surface of what some of these teams in the SEC are capable of, and we will see them do. That's That was going to be my caveat. It is only one week <laughs> of SEC play. However, just looking at the strength of the ACC – uh, with Miami's performances uh, the past couple weeks, and, and right. it should be mentioned, obviously, Miss Graves, they have not played anybody worth a damn. Uh, right. If you want to say Louisville is, is their toughest competitor, but I, we don't even know what that team is. But yeah. with North Carolina and Miami and, and Notre Dame and Clemson, that's a, that's a nice little bundle of teams there at the top in the ACC. We have a long ways to go, obviously, in SEC play to see right. what kind of teams are going to come out of there. Right. I mean, we definitely know it's the SEC West. That's where strength the conference is going to be. I mean, Tennessee and South Carolina, if you caught that game, an exciting game, but it was still just yeah. bad football. <laughs> um, really bad. Yeah, it was bad football. Kentucky Auburn was so lackluster. I couldn't watch that game for longer than three minutes. Um, so that they were just boring. The SEC East is just boring this year. I mean, watch Florida all season if you want a team maybe keep an eye on Georgia like we mentioned because JT Daniels is coming back so or he's been cleared I guess I he's should been say cleared to come back which yeah. is a big difference I mean if anybody right. got that Georgia game that was right. painful to watch they still haven't figured it out it's like they forgot they were playing they had no idea they it were just very, sleepwalking it very lackluster well you've got to know that defense is like damn here we go again another year we got to keep us in every single game Right. Um, that's why I like them Gators coming out of there. Uh, but you know what, <laughs> Haley, I think we should get on a person who knows something a little bit about the uh, SEC, who knows a little bit about Big 12 football as well. Yes. Um, I'll let you bring on this buddy of yours. Absolutely. We have a super special guest here, guys. I would like everyone to be super excited to join us today is Trevor Knight. He is a good friend of mine from our days at AM. Uh, we're both San Antonio, Texas natives. I mean, I guess kind of I can just rep SA for right now. Uh, but what's up, Trevor? Super excited to have you here. Haley, Tyler, how are you guys doing? <laughs> Thanks for having me on today. Doing good, man. Yep. So excited. Trevor, I got to say congratulations. Trevor recently got married. He was a COVID bride. And how, how's newlywed life going? Newlywed life is great. Um, like you said, you know, we were approaching that big day. And, um, you know, my poor wife, she had had, you know, just like everybody else, had uh, this big picture in her head. And, and things had to go quite a bit different than, than that picture in her head. But ended up being perfect. Uh, we still got to, you know, have a decent number of people there. We had about 100 people there. Um, of course, masks were, uh, were on and, and hand sanitizer was available, <laughs> but uh, we had our big day in her parents' backyard and it was fantastic. So we're doing well. Good to hear it, man. What weird times we're living in. That's, that's for damn sure. And speaking of weird times, college football season is as odd as it's ever been. Have you been keeping up with the season so far, Trevor? I have. You know, I think everybody, uh, you know, I'm not just speaking for myself. Everybody's been so excited to get college football specifically back on TV. Um, yep. NFL has been great. 
the bubble in the NBA has been great. You know, having some baseball on, and although they're empty baseball parks, that's been great. But college football had to start. And so I've been super excited getting to tune in the last couple of weeks. And um, it's been a crazy couple of weeks. My goodness. Uh, we have some teams that have already kind of fallen off. You don't typically yep. see that until, uh, you know, week four, week five of the season. But, uh, yeah, I'm just uh, so thankful that we're, we're at least being able to watch some college football. Speaking of teams, you know, that kind of fallen off. Did you catch your Sooners and your Aggies this weekend? <laughs> You know, I did. Let's um, let's start goodness. there. Give us give us your thoughts on this OU team. Again, we've talked about it extensively on the show. I was high on OU. I still am. I think this was a huge misstep that they had over the weekend caused by their lack of experience, just that team being so young and not having that true veteran leadership that they've had in years past. I think Lincoln Riley will correct the ship. They'll be fine. But just give me your thoughts on this OU this year, because it's really a different team than we've seen in the past three seasons. No doubt. I mean, you can take this back historically. You had Bob Stoops running the, running the ship for 20 years. Right. Um, and so everything was just kind of in place, plug and play, whoever you want in there, they step into the culture and you're going to have, you know, a winning ball team out there. Um, and then I thought it was a seamless transition with, with the Lincoln hire, um, you know, hire made as OC, you got Baker Mayfield, he wins the Heisman trophy. Uh, you know, Lincoln becomes the head coach and then, you get Kyler Murray, who becomes, you know, all world. And then this past year, Jalen Hurts. And so you've had these leaders, like you said, in place that have played before, that are veterans, that are able to lead that team early on in the season. And so, you know, we kind of saw that this past week. Um, you know, young guy comes out in his first game and basically throws routes on air against a Missouri State team, which you would expect. <laughs> but, hey, not many people can do that on air. And then, uh, right. you, you know, you come out this week and you see a little bit of adversity against a Kansas State team that, you know, quite frankly, shouldn't have been in the same stadium, but traditionally has always given OU fits. Um, right. And Back-to-back -back seasons now. No doubt. No doubt. They just – they came in and they played hard, and that's kind of their mantra. And uh, I think, you know, OU just kind of got outplayed, especially in the second half, and you didn't have that leader kind of step up and, and stop the bleeding. Right. So, and, yeah. yeah, that's exactly what I was saying. Go ahead, Tyler. Yeah, I was going to ask you, Trevor, I mean, if you're looking at a, a Spencer Rattler, you know, he's coming in to OU with a, a little bit of a different uh, situation and, and somebody like you who's kind of been a journeyman in college football from playing with Oklahoma and then transferring to play for A&M, you know, what advice would you give a Spencer Rattler with a lot of young talent around him with a defense that still seems like it has a lot to shore up? What do you think uh, would be some good advice that that kid needs to hear right now? You know, I, I think I would just tell them, keep believing in yourself. You're where you're at for a reason. Um, I know the pressures of playing college football. And, you know, if you come out and, and kind of be on top of the world, which he has been in high school and through the recruiting ranks um, and even through week one of the season, and then to face some adversity like this, you know, pretty early on, I know that he's getting the Twitter messages. He's getting the Instagram messages. Uh, people telling him that he's the worst thing ever, you know, those types of things. Um, I just I'd sit him down and say, hey, man, don't worry about that stuff. You're an incredible player. You've got a ton of time ahead of you. Uh, one loss isn't going to define your season or your career. Stay at it. Be better next week. But certainly learn from this um, and, and don't let it happen again. Right. And and I know, guys, hearing Trevor talk, it takes me back because I want to go all the way back to the 2016 season when Trevor kind of became a and savior. I know that's so extreme to say, but 
from someone who worked within the program, that locker room was a little bit in disarray. We didn't have a leader. You know, our offensive coordinator was out. We were bringing in a whole new system. A&M had no identity. And then Trevor Knight came into our program, was that leader that A&M absolutely needed. And I always, to this day, say that if you could take a machine of building a Texas A&M quarterback, that's what we got in Trevor Knight in 2016. So now, Trevor, you know, Kellen Mond was your successor. He came in after you. And I would say the road's been a little bumpy for him. And especially now, this season's supposed to be that breakout year for A&M, that they're getting it done. And I'm going to be honest, I was so unimpressed with their performance against Vanderbilt. Let me know, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. You know, first of all, I think Kellen's a great player. And he has right. exceeded my expectations over his career. Um, you know, I, I knew Kellen back since he was a middle school guy because we went to the same high school and grew up in the same area. And um, he, he always had the talent. He was always putting up big numbers. Um, I think what has impressed me the most is how he's grown into a leader and a specifically yeah. a vocal leader. Um, he's more of a quiet guy, which is opposite of me. I was the rah-rah guy <laughs> jumping around, cheerleading. Um, but he's led by example. And I thought, I think that he's played really well up, uh, you know, up until this point. Now he's a senior, though. And so there's high expectations for a guy like that who has been through the fire. He's been through seven overtime games, you know, against LSU. He's, he's played in big bowl games and, and performed at a high level. Um, the consistency has to be there for him now as an older guy from like we, we just talked about, a leadership standpoint, but also making plays standpoint. And, you know, I was, I'm with you. I was very unimpressed week one, not just with him, but with our whole team. Right. I think they got outplayed. Um, I think they got out hustled against a Vandy team that, you know, yeah, they, they may win a couple games here and there, but they're certainly not going to be at the top of, of the SEC. Um, no. You know, everybody's put this year on the calendar as A&M's year to go far. Uh, you know, we course the schedule got mixed up but we're you know dropping Georgia and Clemson off the schedule uh, that we had last year it's the third year Jimbo Fisher and you know I just I didn't see what I wanted to week one so I mean we don't have a whole lot of time to get things corrected going to Tuscaloosa this weekend so um, as everybody's saying in the media right now we're going to find out real quick if uh, if that was just a rough week one or if uh, we're not expecting the the A&M caliber of football that we're we're hoping for coming into the year. Um, right. And, and yeah. not even just this week, they have Tuscaloosa. They're playing in Tuscaloosa this week, hosting the Florida Gators next week, and then going to Starkville. I mean, that three week stretch is about to really tell us a lot about what we need to know about the Aggies. There's no doubt. And golly, it's just a little side note. Mike Leach, welcome to the SEC. <laughs> we were just talking about that. Yeah. My goodness. I mean, the, the kid was just putting up video game numbers. Um, but Hats off to Mike, and I know he's a, a, a social media and, and media just <laughs> kind of folklore, but uh, yeah, you're right. We've got a, a tough sledding ahead, so let's hope to uh, get things on track here over the next couple of weeks. Yep. You know, Trevor, we talked about earlier in the show, for the folks not familiar with you, that uh, you're a Kingslayer, as we called. You have <laughs> taken down Nick Saban, and kind of sticking with that right there, if you could give Aggie Nation a little bit of a preview um, how can A&M take the fight to Alabama this coming weekend? You've played against Nick Saban. You've played against Alabama. Um, this is definitely going to be one of their toughest te tests, if not their toughest this season. Uh, what can you expect this Saturday from the Aggies if they are going to pull up an upset? Yeah, you know, I think I look at both games that I played against uh, against Alabama, one at OU, which, of course, we won, and then 
you know, one at A&M where I thought we battled hard, uh, but just yeah. came up short. And, um, and then you look at the, the game A&M won against uh, Alabama with Johnny. And I think right. kind of the, the couple things that are similar between those two victories um, is that you just almost have to play perfect. And I know that sounds crazy, but um, you look at our game against him when I was at OU and we were just hitting on all cylinders on offense. We made the big plays when, you know, we called the shot plays. Our defense stepped up and I think had three or four turnovers. And we played good in the special teams, right? Um, so we had to put a full game together to go up against, you know, a, a team that has been so successful for so long. They capitalize on your mistakes and they don't make many of themselves. Um, you know, fast forward to, you know, Johnny's year when Johnny won. Actually, I think that was the same season. But, um, you know, Johnny made some big plays. You know, the famous one where he flips out and throws it to Swope in the back of the end zone. He capitalized on those opportunities. And then they didn't make a whole lot of mistakes that game. And then, you know, my game uh, against Alabama when, when I was at AM, um, you know, I thought we made some big plays. Um, I thought we played well, but we turned the ball over a couple times and we allowed them to capitalize on those, um, which kind of led to the loss. So long story short, long answer to your question. Um, you know, we've got to play really, really technically sound. We've got to play hard and we've got to eliminate turnovers altogether and make those big plays when we have an opportunity. Right. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, since I have you here, Trevor, I cannot believe it's about to be four years since we've been at our time at AM. I don't know where time has flown, but I got to ask you, you know, reflecting back, take a walk down memory lane with me. What moment from that season, or you can give me one or two or three, really stuck out to you from your time at AM? Yeah, I mean, it is, you're right. It's crazy. <laughs> I, I wake up every morning, still walk around like I got hit the night before in a game because my body's <laughs> all jacked up. But um, man, what, a, what an incredible year for me personally, um, you know, yeah. kind of taking the leap of faith and going to a new school and with, with not being promised the, the starting job. And that's really why I wanted to go. But um, I mean, there's a million memories that I can remember. Um, I think, yeah. you know, that that first victory was was pretty neat against UCLA, ended up winning in overtime. And, uh, you know, it just kind of I remember walking off the field that day, looking up at, you know, the hundreds of thousands of people in and around Kyle Field thinking, man, this is a neat story. Um, you know, for a guy that had played a lot at a, at a school before, but now in a new stadium and new colors, new brothers around me and, and, and a whole uh, school that's kind of wrapped their arms around me culturally as well. It was just a surreal moment. Um, and then, you know, kind of at the end of the year, when we walked off the field for the last time against Kansas State, completely different feeling, sour taste in your mouth and just a rush of emotions because we lost the game, yes, but knowing that that chapter of my life was over, um, definitely a memory that I'll never forget, getting to hug some of those guys and you know see that raw emotion that, that you don't typically experience on a given day-to-day. -day. So um, again, a million different memories, but you know, again, can't, can't believe it's been four years, but I'll hold on to those forever, as I know you guys will as well. I'll tell you my favorite. I was wondering if you were going to bring it up. That Tennessee game. A&M finally got over the hump of the previous two seasons being 5-0. and Tennessee, we got over it, got 6-0. College game day was there. That game for me will be one that I forever remember. And it was led by you. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of fun plays that day. It, one of the longest games I've ever played in, probably one of the hottest as well. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, that's what you dream of as a little kid, right? I mean, you're getting to play college game day, prime time game um, against a great opponent. 
it goes to double overtime, which shouldn't have, but you know, you got to pull out everything you have inside of you from an energy standpoint, um, from a, from a skill standpoint, you got to make those big plays that we talked about. You got to do everything to win a game like that. And, and you're right. That's definitely one of those ones where, you know, you're completely spent at the end, but you, you know, you realize that everything, all the work you put in and everything you put into that point was worth it. Speaking of from an energy standpoint, this season, you know, is a season like no other. And the fact that we have COVID and so many teams either have no fans or have such minimal fans, how much do you think the culture and what's been established within a program to bring out that energy and play games is important this season more than ever? Well, I mean, it absolutely is important. There's a lot of guys that, that get that adrenaline rush from the crowd. Um, right. You know, you talk about home field advantage. You don't have that this year, and it's a real thing. You know, people coming in to play in Kyle Field is a huge advantage when we're playing at home. You know, when you don't have that, you've got to do what everybody talks about internally, but create your own energy. Most of the time, you've got to create your own energy when you're on the road because obviously you're not getting cheered for there. Um, but also when something goes bad, you got to kind of shift the energy around to that positive side and, and create your own energy. And so, you know, it, I, I'm glad I'm not having to play right now uh, <laughs> because I was a guy that fed off the crowd, fed off the band, um, fed off the, you know, all the little things going on, maybe not even be able to hear yourself think it's so loud. I love that stuff. Um, and, and some guys are, are able to create that energy. I don't know if I would have been able to do it. So Definitely a huge factor for all teams this year at the college level and at the pro level. I mean, you look at Seattle, they're not pumping any crowd noise in and they're not right. having any fans. I can't even imagine doing that at the level that these guys are doing it at. Right. Absolutely. And so I got to ask now, we've been on this circus, it feels like, with college football. You know, you talked at the top how we are thankful that it's finally back. What are your thoughts on the chaos that has been the Big Ten and the Pac-12? Because now the Pac-12 is also back. Yeah, I mean, you look at this year and just everything's different. There's there's things that are changing every single day. Um, right. You know, on one side of it, you got to kind of look at it as, you know, everybody's trying to do the best they can with, with minimal or limited information, right? right. Um, you know, you look at those conferences and they're trying to take care of their players. And and I think everybody's trying to do that. I'm a, I'm a fan of playing ball. Uh, you know, I think that um, everything that's going on um, – you know, won't get political about it, but uh, there's some craziness that goes into it about, especially these young kids that are uh, minimally at risk, but also, you know, they're, they're in a confined space. They're in a program that cares about them, that wants them to succeed, um, as opposed to scattered all over the country. Um, and so, you know, I, I think even for the mental health side of it, there's a lot of people that enjoy and kind of count on watching college football on Saturdays. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and it's a camaraderie builder. It's, you know, even at the pro level, fantasy football brings a lot of people together. And so I'm so thankful for that. But it is just a, a unique year with a lot of craziness going on. Um, I know a lot of people are saying the Big Ten and now the Pac-12 look crazy for, for <laughs> saying no and coming back. We, so, say, we say that on this show. <laughs> yeah. Give those kids an opportunity. Um, yeah. You know, the Justin Fields of the world, that's a kid that's going to go and, and, and end up making a whole lot of money and, and playing for a long time at the next level. And he needs to be out there playing football. Um, you know, you see the kid that was at Oregon that transferred down to Texas and now is playing a lot. He just needed that opportunity to get back on the field. And so it's going to be interesting. I think this is going to be a ripple effect for several years down the road of, yeah. 
you know, guys that got to play as usual and are getting drafted and, and never skip the beat and other guys that are going to have to kind of piece it together. Again, I'm, I'm glad it's not during my time because um, that's just another added element to try and deal with. But uh, we'll see how it all shapes out. Yeah, how, absolutely. I was going to say, I was going to just ask you, just pick your brain on one more thing. This college football playoff committee is going to have a hell of a job when it comes down to it. Where is your mindset just out of curiosity on, you know, a, cause we have this discussion a lot. There are teams like UCF, like the SMUs of the world, like these other teams that are, have been playing since mid September how do you think it's going to come down to if they go undefeated, run their table, but then a, say, one loss OU, one loss Texas, one loss Ohio State, how are those teams going to match up and what kind of job do you think the playoff committee is going to have? Yeah, you know, I think the playoff committee already has an extremely difficult job and, and you know, I think they've done a good job up until this point picking the top four, but uh, there's certainly times where I maybe disagree a little bit. Um, hey, so you were in the first ever top four. I know it. I know. It. <laughs> Unfortunately, we didn't stick around, but you know, that'll just give me nightmares. Damn it, Starkville. So I, I know it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it's just an, an, another added dimension. Um, I think if there's any year that those schools like UCF um, should be licking their chops, it's this year because, you know, if they're, if they're going undefeated and, and not as many teams, have, like you said, played as long or those types of things, they can kind of, you know, message their case and, and hopefully get in. But, um, you know, I still think we're going to see some of the schools that have been at the top remain at the top as we move yeah. forward. Um, some of these teams have got the culture. Uh, they've been there before. They got the coaching. They got the players to do it. And so, right. um, but I do, I, I do think there will be maybe one or two teams that sneak in that we haven't seen before. So, right. That's what I was going to ask you, Trevor, on top of that, of, of uh, what Haley was saying of teams sneaking in. Looking at it right now with the first couple of weeks, who are your four that would go to the playoffs tomorrow? <laughs> Just looking at it right now. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great question. Um, you know, obviously Clemson's at the top. I think Trevor Lawrence is uh, one of the best we've seen in, in a long time. You know, he's, he's Peyton Manning-esque, right? He's got the size. <laughs> he's got the arm strength. He's now got – you know, the experience, he's got all the tools, but, you know, couple him with Dabo Sweeney, that whole culture, they've, they've been successful over the last several seasons and for a long time under his regime. Um, I think they're in for sure. Um, I, I don't think you can count Alabama out at all. Um, I think Alabama's going to go in there. Um, I hope not, you know, given that I'm a, an A&M guy and looking <laughs> and playing in the West, I hope that doesn't happen. But you know, as of right now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw them in there. Um, I think Matt Jones will do, do a good job of what they ask Alabama quarterbacks to do, and that's manage the game and make some yep. plays here and there. Um, you know, those last two, I think that's where it could get a little interesting. Um, you know, I, I really think Florida is going to be, a, you know, a team that's going to be in for the first time. Um, I know these are the top three teams right now, which I think are accurate. Uh, but, you know, that quarterback that they have has done an incredible job just um, kind of bringing that leadership and bringing that cohesiveness to that unit um, from the tight end position. You guys saw that last week. Dude just had a massive game. Um, yeah. And I think I think Dan Mullen's a really good coach um, that's going to allow them to kind of go through the ebbs and flows of the season and remain kind of playing at that high level and staying up there. And then last, I, I'm a huge Justin Fields fan. I think he's phenomenal. Okay. I think they're at six or seven right now. I'm not sure. Yep. Um, yep. Number but, six. Uh, I, if it was right now, I'd, I'd uh, 
know, even though they haven't played a game and we haven't seen what they're going to look like, I just believe in the kid. I think he's a phenomenal player. And so I'd, I'd say Ohio State's rounded out my top four right now. Haley, I, I like, would say that's I like safe. Trevor. Yeah, I like Trevor. <laughs> Trevor, we have the same four. So you are welcome on the show anytime. I love it. Fantastic. Yeah, I would say that that's a safe. You probably had the underdog UCF and those guys <laughs> on, didn't you? No, originally, actually, I had OU in my top four. I stand OU. I just believe in that program. I really do. I love the culture. I like Lincoln Riley. Um, unfortunately, the caveat to them, like I mentioned, was going to be their inexperience and how much that young team was going to be able to come along and we saw what happened over the weekend, but so maybe not this year, but then the other team I always brought up was Notre Dame. Um, we've only watched them once, but they're definitely someone to keep an eye on. And, you know, we've been talking about just the strength of the ACC as a whole this year to really, I mean, who knows, we might have two ACC, two SEC teams in the final four, because I am still not a believer in the big 10. So once they actually step on the field and get to get through two weeks then I might be a believer in Ohio State, might make it in my top four. But as of right now, I'm not a believer in the Big Ten. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, anything can happen at this point. But yeah. I like kind of the early projections because you <laughs> get to see how wrong you are typically. Right. Experience. <laughs> right. Absolutely. All right, Trevor. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. As always, I love hearing you talk. I love the knowledge that you're able to bring to the table. And I just wish you all the best of luck with the rest of the remainder of 2020. Yeah, you bet, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, anytime you need an old washed up guy to get on and talk <laughs> a little college football, I'm here. Uh, but really appreciate it. Love what you guys are doing. All right. Thanks, Trevor. Thanks, Trevor. That's very nice. <laughs> Well, what'd you think? He's so he great, good. right? Yeah, he's great. Um, loved what he talked about uh, when it when it comes to like you know how you prepare uh, right. in different programs, especially with OU and A and M and the struggles that they're both going through right now. And I I I like this playoff pick. That's it. That's what we were going to transition into. <laughs> I know. And those are my and exact four on my paper. <laughs> I gotta say, I gotta say, the one thing that made me feel good about the due diligence that you and I, Tyler, are doing on this show is how we keep preaching the importance of the culture and the foundation of the programs. And that's something that Trevor kept also going back and talking about being a crucial factor in this 2020 season. So, you know, I was like, I wanted to pat ourselves on the back a little. We, we know yeah. a thing or two of what we're talking about. Just a little bit there. And it, I mean, that's something we did say episode one is that it, it yep. really is about the foundation of your program. It's about experience. It's about leadership. And we said right out of the gate that if you have those qualities within your program and your team, those are going to be the teams that succeed this year. Those are going to be the teams that make it. Uh, and that's been the case thus far. Um, and so, you know, as we're kind of going through this for anybody that I didn't get the Pac-12 notes or the Big Ten notes, uh, Pac-12 is basically following the model of the Big Ten minus a week. So instead of starting in October, Haley, they're going to be starting on November 6th, hoping uh, to get in. Again, guys, we talk about that date, uh, December 20th, the final day of the college football rankings. They will be squeezing it in on the 18th, which, again, like – I you know, hate I think Trevor, the Pac-12. Like Trevor made the best point because this, this is true. The, multiple things can be true with this conversation. Trevor talked about how he loves that the kids get to play, that a Justin yes. Phil, Fields is going to play this year. You know, uh, Penny Sewell is going to probably – he might opt back right. in for Oregon. Like, and that is important, that these kids right. get to play. However, from a standpoint of the playoffs and being a part of the conversation, it is ridiculous that we even have to include them. 
because of the, the dragging of the heels, getting to this point, trying to squeeze in seven weeks of straight football, no breaks, just like eight weeks of no breaks in the Big Ten mm-hmm. to hope that they spit out a potential playoff contender. It, it just feels like a desperate plea. The Pac-12, you look like followers. You followed what the Big Ten did. You followed what they did again. It's at this point, if the Big Ten says jump, you say how high. Yeah. I mean, and in reality, it just kind of looks like a ploy to me to maintain what small value your football programs have at this point. Because yeah. truthfully, if you're the only conference that doesn't play, because like I've said from the beginning, spring football was again a cop out that was never a part of the plan. That was just what they were putting out to the public to try and appease people to get off their backs. Again, I still feel like that's what they're doing by putting out this plan. But yeah. again, these programs, in order to survive, as Trevor mentioned, we're going to see rippling effect from this for years to come. They have to play this season in order for those programs to survive. That's, that's undeniable. You have to from a money yeah. standpoint. I mean, we right. saw earlier this year the heartbreaking losses that a lot of schools across the country had taken. Yep. But in the Pac-12 was Stanford. Stanford of all places. Yep. Uh, how many – it was something – I want to say know, it was like 23 varsity programs. Varsity programs that they had to get rid of. It's yep. awful. Um, yep. So, yes, from that point, it makes sense. Getting these players safely uh, into games, that is great. But, like, this conversation, Haley, is a lot like my rant against Nebraska of <laughs> – the Pac-12 and the Big Ten do not dictate to anybody what the college football world should do. And that argument um, that people keep bringing up in those conferences of we'll play in the spring, like you just mentioned, you don't get to dictate that. That's no. literally telling all of the college football world, you will wait for us, you will wait for us to play, and then we will play, and then you will put us in the playoffs, maybe. Like, you're asking everybody to stop for you. And right. like you've mentioned before, and like we've talked about on the show, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 you don't carry that big of a purse. You ain't those guys, especially right. the Pac-12. We do not, you, you, you dictate nothing. Right. And it's, it, it has been a frustration to see. So it's, it's a weird feeling, isn't it? It's like, I'm happy for the players. I'm happy yeah. for the teams. But God, do I hate the conferences. Like, right. I just think it, that's, just where it's, that's just where my frustration lies. Like, yeah. again, so happy that these players are going to have an opportunity, even a small one, to come out and play. But starting in november like you just you just look ridiculous you, you do, do. You and look from a health ridiculous. standpoint we preach this over and over again we've said this i think every single episode haley is that flu season and coronavirus are about to smash into each other in the right. fall and we have no idea what that's going to look like so the idea yeah. and we've talked about again the audacity to say we will play consecutive weeks with no buys no chance to add in a postponed or delayed game and we will rattle off a season right before the final rankings is ludicrous it's maddening that they even think that's possible right and I mean and it looked possible for a brief time it looked achievable you know you could look at the NFL who was testing daily who was making sure that players understood the ecosystems within their programs, the importance of that. But here we are going into week four and the Titans had three players test positive for coronavirus. They're not even allowed in their facilities until Saturday. So the NFL who again paid professionals are still coming down with this virus and doing this to their programs. I'm sorry, big 10 and Pac 12. It just looks bleak. 
It does. Um, now, you and I both hope we're not rooting for no, coronavirus. No, by no to, means. Like, we're just being I would realistic. Love, hey, I, our audience would love it because I said I'd shave my head at the Big 12 have right. zero postponements. I hope nobody gets sick. I don't want anybody to get this thing. Uh, that was kind of the right. whole point. Um, but it almost seems safer now with what the big conferences that are still playing have done by spreading things out, doing the daily testing and the antigen tests, and really right. having a solid plan that's working compared to rushing something out of the gate just to be involved because you're, yeah. you're showing your ass is what these conferences mm -hmm. do as we wrap it up is that you're showing what this is about. It's about money for you. You got caught in a lie. You wanted to get back in. And the only reason you want to get back in and the only reason you have made this the way it is, is so you can have a chance at the playoffs. That's it. Cause if you really yeah. just cared about kids playing, you would extend the dates. They wouldn't be consecutive weeks, but right. you don't care. Right. So anyways. They wanted but, to be the smartest ones in the room and they, and they proved weren't. that they weren't. They weren't. Not at all. And that's and, and we talked about it as well, is that there isn't a necessarily right or wrong reason, but there was a right or wrong way to go about doing this. Facts. They did it the wrong way. Right. Um so that was fun. And and hey, talk about wrong way, right way. I don't know. Haley, they're back in the top ten. Pac twelve and Big Ten are littered uh in the in the new AP top yes, twenty. They are. <laughs> this is the first yes. week. We saw them jump back in. Some notables, you know, Tyler's standing Florida. They're in at number three, which is wild. I think the biggest drop was OU, dropped to 18. Wow, they were – the poll gods were very angry at OU and how their performance was, as should they be, but that was wild. Um, some other notables, Ohio State's back in at number six, Penn State's in at number 10, Oregon at 14, and then another huge jump was, as we mentioned – Miami jumping mm -hmm. in and breaking in that top 10 and coming in at number eight. Miami's been lights out. They've probably been yep. the most fun team to watch in the country. Uh, Derek King has been lights out. You know, he is on a path right now. I'm not comparing the two, but I'm comparing right. the experience that when Russell Wilson showed up at Wisconsin, it was a ton of fun. Yeah. That team was electric. They went to the Rose Bowl. It was, a lot of, it was a ton of fun. And King is doing the same thing. You know, we hear about transfer quarterbacks all the time. What's it going to look like? He's taken off. Uh, they right. look like. I mean, yeah, like some, some of my favorite notables, aside from, you know, the average fan will go look at, oh, total yards, completions, things of that nature. And while Miami putting up 500 yards of offense again this week was not only notable, but where they really shined was they were 11 of 18 on third down, three Money of four down. on fourth down. You know, they are taking chances and taking risks, but where I got to call Miami out, I'm going to say it again, get your discipline under control, Miami. I know Tyler loved it no. last week. No. 12 penalties, Tyler. No. 12 I, this I week. I don't care. They're playing with swag. Twelve. That's the only way I want. I don't want Miami coming to the dinner table, <laughs> washed and cleaned in their best. I don't want that. <laughs> I want rowdy. I want punching you people want in the face. Miami. You want yeah, Pitbull Miami. Hell yeah, I do. Miami. I want that Fair. swag. I don't want some Fair. prissy Miami. No, I want the old you. And I'm glad that they're doing that. They're getting in fights. I love it. They're back. I want it to get back. I hope they're back. Uh, that would be so much fun. And, and we have a monster week coming up next week. Right. Um, not this weekend, but the following with Clemson and Miami. Right. We get to see if the U is actually for real. Um, I know. So with the top 25, yeah, there's not, there's not, it's not too big a surprise. You see Wisconsin and Michigan get put back into the fold as well. But yeah, that big jump of Florida and kind of Trevor said it, the top three look pretty solid right now. Again, right. only one week of play, 
but we'd be remiss if we did not talk about how Alabama looked absolutely dominant in their opener. Uh, the names man. were there. The play was there. They looked Jalen Waddell is a bad man. Yes, I am so scared about what he is about to do on <laughs> Saturday to A&M's defensive backs. I mean, A&M's defensive backfield just looked depleted, looked pathetic. They had another DB opt out this week. I mean, they're just dropping like flies out of that A&M program, it feels like. And yeah, Jalen Waddell, eight receptions, 130 plus yards, two touchdowns. I mean, Mac Jones looks solid. Najee Harris, three touchdowns. It's yep. on an A&M that can't stop the run. Guys, just help me to stop the bleeding. That's all. I know we're going to get well, some cuts and we're going to get some bruises, but I just want to be able to stop the bleeding. Well, Haley, what was going on with those balls? Did Reverie, like, did she slobber all over them? Is that why you She's guys kept dropping them? pre pregame. What was going on? How many fumbles did A&M have? It was crazy. Four. What the hell is going on? Yeah. What? Yeah. Yep. You know, as mm -hmm. much as I am a Longhorn and I, and I can't stand A&M, I've told you before and said on the show, I love Kellen Mond. And it, it frustrates the hell out of me. I, I want them to be better. And it's just, just... not there. I feel bad for him. I Me really, yeah. really do. Unless the players around him step up in a big way this weekend, that game could get dicey. And, and the sad part is Alabama didn't even play perfect over the weekend. I actually expected that score to be worse. I mean, they end up having seven penalties, which is kind of uncalled for, for a very refined Alabama team. They did turn the ball over, which again, very uncalled for, for an Alabama team. So they were far from perfect, which is scary because that means they have room to improve. And I have a feeling they're about to improve on this A&M team in week two. I think they just might. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But however, Haley, if anything uh, that we learned from this last weekend, I'm hoping that the rest of the year is like 2007. Wild, crazy, <laughs> chaotic, have no idea what's going to happen. And we any don't given any Saturday idea. is the any theme. It really is. And it's about surviving and moving on to the next one. However you get it done, yep. it doesn't matter. Um, so that's pretty much our show. That was fun. Yeah. I had Trevor it was on. Fun. Trevor was great. Why is that guy not on TV? Put him on TV. He's a, handsome, he's a handsome boy. Put him up there. Let him talk. He, and he's, he's captivating to listen to. Like, you yeah. want him to keep talking. And he knows his stuff. He beats Saban. He I'll never does. forget it. You, I know you haven't seen the movie The Replacements, but that guy's Shane Falco to me. I don't know if Trevor, Trevor <laughs> looks like he's doing better than living on a boat, you know, scrubbing other people's barnacles off. But uh, that, that Shane Falco and that Sugar Bowl, and that Sugar Bowl by Trevor Knight, all-time performance. Oh. One for the books. It um, was. All right, Haley, so before we get out of here, I uh, kind of broke down that new top 10 for everybody. Um, wanted to kind of go back, <laughs> if we can, uh, and talk about a, a, a team that, you know, also is going to return to play for the Big Ten. They were not in the top 25, and that is Nebraska. Uh, I kind of went off on them last week, and people were not happy about that. Um, Are you surprised? You, like, dug several knives into them and kept twisting until they came out the other side. Why did somebody send us a very long text uh, about how wrong I was and said um, that oh. myself and Desmond Howard can go play with each other in a closet if you're pissed about Nebraska wanting to play football? Clearly, we're both hurting on the inside, and maybe you can help each other. That comes from angry Husker fan. I thought that was great. I don't know. If I, I mean, I wouldn't mind getting in a closet with Desmond Howard. I don't know. <laughs> It's weird. I don't know what it's we weird. would do. You keep it, those thoughts to yourself. <laughs> I don't want to think about it because it would be weird. That's an odd I, – I don't think that we'd have – it'd be awkward. That's not socially distancing. I'd be like, I don't know why we're in this closet together. Uh, maybe it's because we both hate Nebraska. Uh, but there was a Nebraska fan that – I feel bad for this kid because I think this is uh, 
it, it depends on when you grew up. Uh, he said, only being 23, I have never seen Nebraska as a national powerhouse like they were in the 90s. I've only witnessed mediocrity and worse and wanted to know, will they ever get back to the national spotlight in this graves? You want my honest opinion? Yes, this person does. Get they, have, they have a long way to go. A how long, long is how long, way Haley? To go. I, so the way college football works, <laughs> <laughs> story time with Haley, is I fully believe that there is a cycle process. That every 20, 30 years, the same teams trudge to the top and then they go to the bottom. So, you know, for this specific Husker fan, I will attempt to be optimistic for you. And since you're creeping up well past that 20, almost 25-year mark of Nebraska not getting it done, you know, maybe you're on the back end of it. Maybe things are going to start to rise and maybe in your lifetime they will come back around the circle and be relevant again like they were in the 90s. That is my hopeful is that piece Lion of advice. Is it, is it the circle <laughs> yes, of the life? Circle that's, of life. That's basically what it is? Yes, the circle uh, of college football life. I believe well, in it. I think that's what happens. You see programs go from good to horrible, some faster than others, i.e. Miami going circa 2000s. Now they're making their 20-year you know, circle of life coming back around. Nebraska, hey, Nebraska might be more. Nebraska might be more of a forty-year circle. Their lifespan wow. might be Come longer. On, that means but... our twenty-three-year-old fan is going to be in his sixties by the time Nebraska. <laughs> no, no, he's already at twenty years. He oh, just so has to wait got, another twenty. He's got okay. He's, okay, so he'll be he'll be forty-ish. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's hope. Um, That's hope. Hey, there, there's hope and there's hope for everybody. Uh, and before we uh, get out of here, uh, Haley wanted to put some people on upset watch. I mean, we have a big weekend coming up and everybody's hopeful to get out with the W this weekend. Uh, we have our first big top 10 matchup, Auburn and Georgia. Um, not really sure what to make of either one of them. I don't know teams. either. I feel like I want it to be entertaining, but I just think it's going to be boring. Auburn bores the hell out of me. I don't know what it is about that team right now, but they're so I, I I'm the complete opposite because all they do is they make no sense. It was seven to five. They were it was seven to five in their game against Kentucky. What the hell is that? Right. What the right. hell is that? They had a, a, a kick return called back and then they win. Uh, Bo Nix did look improved. Um, I like I like Auburn against Georgia until Georgia. This this is not a good game for Georgia to play right out of the gate. Right. Uh, haven't figured out their quarterback situation. Uh, uh, Dewan Mathis was awful in the first half. You had to walk on uh, Stetson Bennett, come on, right. look decent. As you said, JT Daniels medically cleared to play. You hope that he is the guy if you're a Georgia fan. But but do you want his first game after being medically cleared to be against Auburn? Right. Uh, it, it'll be tricky to see what happens. I, I like Auburn in that one. I also do not like Auburn in that one because they're Auburn. And Exactly. Yeah, like you really don't know what you're going to get out of this game, truthfully. Yeah, don't, don't bet no on that idea. Uh, however, one don't. game, Haley, uh, we're not the only ones that are being harsh on OU. Vegas does not like the Sooners either. They only have them as a touchdown favorite against Iowa State this weekend. And I think that's it's a insulting. team uh, to go from where they were. Yeah, right. Yeah, they don't buy that team whatsoever. And I think it's more about the defense than it is about the offense. And for an Iowa State team that dropped week one to Sunbelt, Louisiana, this is a bad game for the Sooners to go into. Iowa State is a team that almost beat them last year. They only lost by one. I think OU wins this game, but I think OU, this is a, you got to figure it out quick because that's a solid team. Yeah, I, uh, 
I'm going to be optimistic here for OU fans. Maybe this is your get right week, you know, because what is it? Not this weekend, but next weekend is Red River, or is yep, that still that's two right. weeks? That's, not, yeah, not yes, not this weekend, but next. Correct. So this this needs to be your get right week. This needs to be your refinement week. Make a statement against Iowa State so you can have your head held high going into that game against UT. Yes, have your head held high. That's what I want. <laughs> Sam Ellinger uh, other... does not care about your feelings. <laughs> Don't do horns down too soon, OU. Don't do it. Um, <laughs> the other thing that I want to say about the Big Twelve. You know, me and my Baylor plugs. Baylor's playing West Virginia. That should be a decent game if you want to catch it. Um, should be entertaining, likely high scoring. And I think we'll be able to figure out a little bit more about both of those teams um, this weekend. Absolutely. Uh, hey, I'm going to give you credit because they're still one of the lone undefeated teams in the Big 12. One of three. They are. Um, but I have some teams in upset watch. I have three games I think everybody should watch. I'm going to get your thoughts on this, Haley. Um, upset watch? Put in a, <laughs> something like that. that I don't know. I know. We need a real sound. That was sounder. good, right? That was great. Woo! That's it. You should be used to it with the whoop and all that, whatever, with your male milkmaid cheerleaders and stuff. Hey. I hate that. Um this is a team that we were high on uh, at the beginning of the year, and we still are. It's just none of us have seen them play. Uh, UNC is back to action after three weeks off, and that's not by the choice. Fighting Mac Browns. The Fighting Mac Browns, but that's because of COVID. They're returning to action, action against Boston College at Boston College. Now, I don't know if that's that big of a challenge, but we get to see for the first time. This is a team that hasn't played or contacted anybody in a month. Will that affect and, them on the road? And that, and that first game against Syracuse, wasn't it Syracuse, was not great. No. Um, they like UNC did not come out and be the offensive um, power that we hoped that they would be. Well, it's because you kind of, you know, I, I mean, imagine it like a lot of other teams is that it's good to have time off, but you want to get in that rhythm and you want right. to keep playing. They haven't played for a month. I'd be worried if I'm a Tar Heel fan on the road. Don't be caught sleeping. I also have Missouri at Tennessee. I do not like Tennessee. Vegas doesn't like Tennessee. This is uh, the dumbest Garantano game to promote. Is, is not, uh, with all due respect to that kid, he's not a great quarterback. Vegas doesn't even have him projected throwing over 200 yards. I like Mizzou wow. better. Uh, I think that's a tough game. Hey, Tennessee. hey, but, but Tennessee, got to give them a shout out. They have the longest winning streak in college football at seven games amongst Power Five conferences. So you know you don't want to mess with their winning streak. Yeah, I feel that, like that would that be the best the shelf. trivia question. People out there, do that on your friends this week. Bet them five dollars. If you can tell me which Power Five team has the longest winning streak, and if your friends can say Tennessee, bet them five dollars. I bet you'll win some. I can't believe that and team won seven games straight. Notre Dame doesn't count because they just joined the ACC this year. So technically, Notre Dame has an eight-game winning streak. Tennessee could tie that this weekend but yeah so fun little fact there for everyone <laughs> and Notre Dame is is also struggling again with COVID that has been a yep. common theme unfortunately on that campus uh, just another note for the Big Ten and the Pac-12 watching if you think it's going to happen yes. it is um, my last game is an upset alert before we get out of here TCU at Texas as much as mm. I think Sam Ellinger is, is a world beater, and I don't think there's anybody in the Big 12 that can stop him, TCU's track record against Texas in the Big 12 since joining, Gary Patterson is 6-2 and two against Longhorns. I do not like this matchup. They I will always, say uh, TCU's defense looked well. Looked well. Looked good and strong in their first – their, they've only played one game. They only and, played one game, and they lost yeah. to Iowa State. But – Right. Still. 
Longhorn fans, I'd watch out sleeping before OU because I know Texas caught highlights of that K-State it's game. It's a trap it is, game. It is a trap game because they're chomping at the bit with that OUD. We don't need uh, a soundboard. I am the soundboard. So those are my teams. If you're fans of them, watch out. Watch out, yep. Tennessee, Texas, and North Carolina. I'm putting you on upset alert. And I'll put the Memphis Tigers on upset alert. They crept into the top 25 this week. They're literally number 25, but they got SMU coming to town, and SMU has been putting up insane numbers. This offense is rolling. So, hey, you never know. We could see a flip there. SMU might crack the top 25 this week after a win over Memphis. I like that. Do you think Mike Norvell wishes he was still coaching Memphis this year? <laughs> More than I, likely. Which, by the way, I don't mean to joke because he does have Corona, and, and I hope he's okay. We hope he's okay, obviously, right? Uh, but it is about as bad as you can imagine for Florida State. Haley, we joked about it over the weekend. Florida State might be the worst team in the state of Florida. Didn't you have them on upset watch two versus Jacksonville State? I've, I did. Thank you for including that. I do, <laughs> because at this point, I don't – I don't think Florida State knows how to play football. I really don't. And that's not a dig at these kids. But if anybody got a chance to watch that Miami game, I know Miami is a, is a way better opponent, but the offensive line is still garbage. Yeah. Blackman if just there is isn't a truly a team with no face, it's Florida State. It's Florida State. So why would I pick them to win any game? I like Jacksonville State. Let's go. <laughs> Whatever Jacksonville State are, what are you? The fighting Jacksonville Staters. Are they uh, – what, what's in Florida? Lots of weird stuff. Somebody let me know Seems what like Jacksonville they, they kind State of feel is. like – are they – I was going to say, are they like a yellow jacket? Could no. be a yellow jacket or a rabbit or exotic snake or tigers or who knows, turtles. I don't know what – Lions what, and tigers yeah. and bears, oh my. That's right. All right, Haley. That's it for episode number one. That was awesome. Yep. Uh, Trevor Knight was so good. Really looking forward to next weekend. And, hey, I'll say it. I'll be rooting for your Ags this weekend. I hope they can take down Bam. I want more chaos. I am here for more chaos. I am trying. I, like, have to sit on this laurel of, like, think positive thoughts, positive energy to A&M, flow out the positive vibes, because, damn, do I get frustrated watching them play. But, all right, everyone, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed, Trevor. Um, drop some comments and give us a call or voicemail. Send us an email, text, whatever. Also thanking him. He is great. We love him here. Um, and you can find me, as always, on Instagram, Haley Graves with two S's. That's H-A-L-E-Y-G-R-A-V-E-S-S. And on Twitter, Haley one graves 2 I'm Tyler Coe, the Tyler Coe. Go look for whatever those are. And, yep, we will see you guys next week. Have a fun weekend of college football. Yes, sir. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.